Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> what was that noise for? It was just like, there's the door Yeah. This date's going really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got to slap you all up. <laughs> Uh, before we start, my apology was uh, when I was quite immature, uh, the Bob Slayer interview, which I think was the first one you listened to. It was. Well, someone sent it to me when they're talking about your penis, <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, hang on a second. Well, yeah, I, I, I will. I will admit that was a heavily edited part of the podcast because <laughs> Bob brought up a walrus penis bone, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. And then we got sidetracked onto yours for some reason because <laughs> we were talking about the pleasants in general. Um, so apologies. No, no, no. That's absolutely fine. It was, I, I felt... That was quite funny. I, I, was, I listened to it back afterwards and I, 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 we were only complimentary. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I it was great. I was, it made me sound like I had a massive penis. So I was like, this is all, this is, as I said, I was like, this is great. I know, I remember getting a tweet from you that just said, <laughs> this, this is Bob and Simon commenting on my penis. Mum, mum, likes to know what I'm up to. Hello and welcome to the Ask Your Industry podcast, episode 78. I'm comedian Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, and today, the Edinburgh Fringe. Ryan Taylor is the head of comedy at The Pleasance at both the Edinburgh Fringe and London venues. He is in charge of who gets rooms and slots in both venues all year round, and has been doing this along with The Pleasance founder, Anthony Alderson, for over a decade. I got him on to talk about why he hates being part of the Big Four, and a little fun game you can play while listening to this podcast is count the amount of synonyms me and Ryan come up with for the Big Four. Feel free to tweet one of us if you think you've counted them all. That'll all make sense in about 30 seconds' time in the interview. We also talked about his early mention in the podcast in Bob Slayer's episode, which was number 12 over a year ago, where myself and Bob casually chatted about his penis size. If you haven't heard that episode, I'd say pause this one and go back and give that one a listen first. But you don't have to. It's not essential listening before this episode. However, it will add a tiny bit of context to two moments during this episode. Before I hit play on the interview, I just wanted to plug the fact that in May I'm doing the Brighton Fringe on the 11th, 18th and 25th at 7.30pm and also on the 26th at 6.15pm at the Carolina Brunswick. 
and also I'm doing the Derby Fringe Festival at the Guildhall Club Rooms on the 13th of May and that starts at 7pm. So if you'd like information on my new work in progress shows and where I'm going to be performing near you or around the country, you can find all that information in the show notes along with ticket links and information about the show and a press release and all that kind of stuff. Please do come down and support if you can. If you're new here, please do subscribe. If you're old here, please do think about giving us a review in iTunes And now, without any more delays, this is Ryan Taylor. I've got quite a dull tone in my voice that has no... It's literally just like... Amazing. You'll you'll lose so many followers. Uh, You say that like I've got them now. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it gets... At the moment, it's getting between 160 and 180 downloads a day. So Mm. so it's not the, the... It's not Stuart Goldsmith's. No, no. But it's not Name a Shit Podcast. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, name a shit podcast. That's yeah. what start there. Start with a, <laughs> let's just slag off people's podcasts. Why not? Let's slag off Bob. Pod- <laughs> podcast I don't want to go on. I- <laughs> Should we? <laughs> I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say if you ever, if you want to flip it around at any point and have a go at Bob, feel free. Uh, uh, I mean, he does enough damage himself. I don't think he needs <laughs> me at all to do anything. Amazing, amazing. No, he's lovely. Well, the first question was going to be that your job title is a comedy programmer. Is that right? No. <laughs> That's what it says on the website of the Pleasants. I'm the head of comedy. It says comedy programmer when I went on it two days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Hang on. Check it out. Maybe, I, I I, maybe I've been demoted. No one's told you. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sure it's on your Twitter. It says comedy. It says, it says programmer. And then it has it on the Pleasants as well. Oh, my God. Are you looking up whether you've been fired? I'm looking up to see what's happened. Well, my question was going to be... No, hang on. I'm going to sort this out. <laughs> there you go. Look, there. One minute. Well, where does it say... I'm sure it says... That's you. One minute. Well, let me check your Twitter. Is your Twitter on here? I'm on your phone now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's, your, what's your Twitter bio? The Why Pleasance got... Twitter's on there. You can do whatever you like. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can cripple like, us. Hey, you can guys. take us down in one tweet. <laughs> hey, guys. Listen to the Ask Industry podcast. I can't find t- t- Twitter on here. I found Tinder, though. You said you didn't like any... You didn't like any jokes. My girlfriend is just. Uh, yeah, she's just logged on to this. Uh, let's see. Uh, right, is it is it your Twitter or the Pleasants? There you go, Ryan Taylor. Oh, I like the way you made the Pleasants follow you. Head of comedy. Where have I right? So you are it's the fine. head of comedy. Well, it's the same. It's the, it's the same job. <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. Fuck it. Um, so you're the head. Of, you're the head of comedy at the Pleasants, right? Yeah. What does that actually mean? In real terms. Um, in real terms, it's, it's a combination of two jobs. Basically, it's programming. So I am just sort of I program for Edinburgh and for London. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also in charge of producing all the comedy shows that we produce in house. And um, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm I, Anthony, who's a director, who's a big boss, just basically leaves me to kind of decide which direction we're going in or what sort of shows and, and kind of so it, it was it was a case of I do more than just kind of program it do you know what I mean and it was so that was the reason why it kind of you know was that's the difference I suppose so if someone applies to do a show with the Pleasants they go it goes to you it doesn't go to Anthony uh, it goes to me yes well the Pleasants is part of the big four uh, yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you, you looked at me really oddly when I said that. Oh, no, it's fine. I just absolutely hate that phrase. With, Why? Well, because it just, it's, it's something that, 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 that everyone uses. And I get, I get, I understand where it's come from completely. Historic um, Yeah, it's a historic thing. But it's, it's, it's that thing of going, it's just, it's so, it's, you do so much more. And then that's what it boils down to is that soundbite of, well, you're part of the big four. We work for venues that share a brochure is basically mm. the, the relationship that we have. But yes, I suppose it, but we, I've, I've never, I've never called us that I never use it in the, people actually sort of there was an article the other day where someone said it's the end of the big four and it's like we, we didn't we didn't yeah. <laughs> you know we, we didn't want to be the big four I certainly don't want to be the big four if I could get rid of one of them so we could be the you know just three or just four would be nice mm. we're not even the biggest there are venues in this festival that are much bigger than some of the some of the four of us in terms of rooms I mean the free fringe has got you know how many venues I don't it, it's, it's it's what it, it's like you say it's a historical thing really but I suppose I suppose the festival briefly, especially before the Free Fringe, was so much about the pay show thing that historically it's still, that's what they, that's why the Free Fringe wouldn't be counted as one of the bigger ones. True, but then the stand also is a big venue, you know, and that's a paid venue. I mean, it's, I mean it is historically now we do, we share a brochure with each other, mm. so I suppose we've all lumped ourselves in with each other. Why haven't you broken away then or is it just a business arrangement? I think it's a combination, of, it's a historical thing and it also it's um, it's that thing of you just kind of resources in terms of getting it to a wider audience. It'd be really hard for us to get all our information. It used to be us and Assembly and then it used to be Gilded Balloon and Underbelly and they we had separate brochures and then it kind of came into a thing that we all sort of came together basically i don't really know why we don't i i would have a huge problem with it personally but, but it's uh, it's not my call before we started recording we were talking about social media and the value of that for a performer mm -hmm. and uh, word of mouth online all that kind of stuff do you think programs are still useful then because it sounds like if you're keeping that big four because of the program listings and that helps with getting people in surely there is value to it even if it's a historical layover if you like yeah, there is value to it i mean i think now you don't that's the thing i, I the, the bro it is basically just that brochure and i think you know if it's about ticket sales or if it's about press or if it's about people finding the best new comic that kind of thing you do that like you say through the internet and through your own kind of marketing or stuff like that so the thing is people do pick up brochures mm. and people do plan their days and people sort of read and get all the information in one kind of Job for the same reason there's always going to be the fringe guide because it has all the festival and all the information in one place. Yeah, totally. So, say someone was coming to the fringe for the first time, a punter, not a, I hate the word punter, a, an audience member, mm -hmm. not a performer, who wanted to distinguish what the Pleasance is from the other big three or any other venue for that matter. How would you describe why you are different? I always think, uh, just the way we do things is slightly different in that we kind of give the impression we know what we're doing but we're kind of rough around the edges and it's all done with a bit of paint and a bit of you know it's, it's not this room no no <laughs> <laughs> thank god this isn't a recording yeah, 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 yeah. but it's sort of you know we 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 kind of cobble it together as we go we still have fun and we try and don't take ourselves too seriously in any way and it's all kind of you know with our cartoons that we do and Paul Garner who does all our illustrations and all the signage and stuff like that it's all kind of a bit like this is it's, it's fun do you know what I mean Pleasance is kind of like a pleasure ground just what we try and create and obviously we have the courtyard which is great and it's such a lovely atmosphere and we have the dome which is on days like today when it's raining is <laughs> you know it's also lovely so I don't know kind of I just think people kind of enjoy 
the atmosphere when they come to the Pleasance and they have a, just a great time and they find new things and enjoy themselves. It's interesting that you, because you're a charity, Yeah. it's interesting that that didn't come into the description of what makes you, because obviously out of all the, even, forget the big four for now, but all of the other venues up here, I don't think any of the others are a charity. No. How does that affect your decision making we, we are a charity and we are non-for-profit i mean i'm honest this is the bit that i'm always a bit like right. we kind of everything that we go goes into london and goes into investing in shows and acts and that kind of thing so any profit you do make gets reinvested in a yeah it gets reinvested in the pleasance okay if i was to be cynical mm. or if i was to play devil's advocate for a, for a performer who maybe has played the free fringe for a couple of years is looking at doing one of the the paid right. venues or whatever most of the feeling around the the I don't want to keep calling them the big four because I know you hate that, but yeah. the, 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 uh, let's call them but it's that thing again, but the paid what? venues yeah, for yeah, this, yeah. right? Most of the paid venue, the feeling that you get from free fringe acts is they're money grabbing, they're, they're expensive, they're, you don't get much more for your money except for a slightly nicer, you know, all that kind of thing to it. If you're reinvesting money back into it, I mean, that to me makes you one of the good guys in that. But we are, I mean, that's the, this, is, this is the point I don't understand. There's always this thing about going how we, we you know, we don't do all this stuff. I mean, we invest solely, A, trying to make the venue as much as possible and invest in acts and invest in paying for shows to come up. We do everything we can. So when you come to the Pleasance, you have a good time and you don't lose money and you don't end up in loads of debt. And all these stories that I hear about how we do this and we do that and we charge this much for this and we charge that, you know, it's it's all, it's it's not true. You know, all our deals, all our finances, all our everything are online and they're there to be seen by you know whoever wants to see them how we do stuff we're completely transparent every time that we sort of it's Pleasance is basically we've got Pleasance London and Pleasance Edinburgh and they all kind of run and as well as what other people forget is, is we do a lot of theatre as well you know half of our programme is theatre and kids shows it's not all comedy theatre shows come up and it's hard for them because they need the infrastructure the venues need to run properly in terms of technical things you know and you have to come to, to certain venues to get that because you need flying or you need you know trusses or you know, electric motors and things like that and we, we can provide that in some of our spaces so we just try and give that, that opportunity I'm rambling like <laughs> no 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 I, I, think, I think it's good for people to know like we were talking about before people like you don't get very many opportunities to speak mm. In this I don't think I've made any sense. <laughs> I think one of the nicest parts of this project for me is making what some people go, oh, the faceless pleasants who earn loads of money off performers, uh. have a human face. We to don't them. make any money. I mean, it's a thing of going, everyone, I mean, I know, I've, I know I've listened to your podcast and you're still trying to find out who's the person who makes money yeah, in Edinburgh. Karen, Karen, you said you listened to Karen Corrin's episode. Yeah. She says she doesn't make money. Bob says he made money. Bob, Bob's very open about the fact he makes a profit on Edinburgh, but he puts it all back into making bus run and all that kind of mm. stuff but so I suppose maybe he's not for profit in a way yeah I'm pretty sure Alex Petty makes money but I've n I never asked him because he was episode two and at that point I wasn't asking the sort of maybe I should have been asking more direct questions to yeah. people but it was brand new to me this whole thing I don't know I think if you own a flat you earn money if you own a flat if you drive a taxi if you <laughs> I mean you definitely you know yeah. and it's and but also you know the the, the you know, the Edinburgh benefits from it completely. Oh, yeah. Everyone thinks the Pleasance, you know, they think, oh, look at the Pleasance, and it's, you know, it's got loads of money, and they think we just go home like Scrooge McDuck and just dive into a big pot of money. Gutted you don't now. <laughs> <laughs> I get paid a very small salary for what I do, and I don't do it for money. I do it because I absolutely love it. And everyone that works for the Pleasance, there's only about eight of us that work full-time. Oh, you're you a full-time employee? Yeah, okay. so, you know, work all year round, and, you know, we kind of have our tiny little office in London where we have our, like, the two theatres, 
theatres there. And we kind of work all year round and we put everything we can into it. And it's, you know, it's... It's very expensive, Edinburgh. It's getting to a point now where, you know, everyone always goes, oh, it's expensive to see shows. The ticket prices haven't gone up that much over the last few years, but the price of building everything has. So, you know, it's that thing, even down to things like petrol or tins of paint to paint the stages or the drapes and things like that. And you just kind of, all these costs grow and grow and grow. But at the same time, you've got to kind of, you, you can't charge more, you know. And as Karen said, and it's the same thing for us, we don't make the money on the bars. So everyone comes into the courtyard and sees everyone sort of drinking drinking pints and having a great time. That's not us. That's Edinburgh University that make that, which is great. And that's investing in Edinburgh Uni. Edinburgh Uni is the one that makes the money. Well, yeah, but yeah. then their costs of running a university and, and yeah. the, the buildings they have to maintain to, for us to come into it. They are classrooms that we turn into theatres. Yeah. And so it's that thing of going, you come up here and, and, and it's like, you know, it's not like we just open the door the 1st of August and just let everybody in and go there you go start the festival we spend two three weeks building it, as all the other venues do I'm not saying we're the only ones to do it but you know we put so much into it and we try and make it an experience and you know we try and market the venue as a destination so that once you get there it's up to the shows and it's up to the program to then get people in and my job is not to get involved in the politics of it all although I do I get caught up in it my job is to make sure that the acts that come to the Pleasants are exciting that they looked after that they're kind of felt supported and that they're so good that someone walks out of a show at the Pleasants they said so they might come because they saw someone who was on telly or they were on some show and they've come to the Pleasants to see that and they've enjoyed it and then they've picked up a flyer for a newcomer or someone who's doing their first hour they go and see that they enjoy that show and they go well that was brilliant I might then pick up a flyer to another show and it's that not quality control but it's making sure that there's that that all the shows are great and everyone's you know having a buzz so that people come back if you want to brand us, we get treated like a brand so often. I'd like to be a brand of quality, you know, a brand that people know they're going to have good shows, that everything runs smoothly. We have to make sure that we've got front of house staff that know what they're doing and technicians that know how to run the venues every day for 25 days with no sleep and that kind of thing. And we invest in that and like people and like bringing people back and training people and staff and technicians on how to do stuff so that they get skills for life, so they know how lighting desks work, you know, all, all the technical side of things work. So it's it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things, it's, it's, it's such an exciting place. The whole festival is. Weirdly, yeah. and, I, and I hope you take this in the positive way I mean this, I was talking to Ian Boltworth about this, right, in the sense that we both get frustrated with the fact that if we do a good edit on the podcast, we do, people don't notice that it's been edited. Weirdly, I feel like the criticism that you might get from people behind the scenes, maybe, maybe to your face, mm. about the cost of being here or all that kind of stuff, is because they don't see the work that goes in behind the the scenes because you stay behind the scenes yeah because yeah. from what you just told me there i've spoken to enough venue holders now to know like i see the surface i see the top of the iceberg mm. and you guys see everything and i suppose it's probably easy for someone who maybe didn't get a good offer or maybe didn't get any offer from someone like you guys for whatever reason to turn around and go oh this you know the you know the money grabbing whatever mm. because it not because they think that it might be because they're annoyed that they didn't get an offer i think also there's a historic thing as well edinburgh a a few years ago there was a whole scene where people used to just sort of like pay for everything and it was that kind of thing of going it was before the days of social media in some ways and it was that thing everyone just sort of thought oh, I need to have a promoter and I need to pay loads of money and I need to have big posters everywhere and they're still about but 
that was kind of it. And it was like, well, I need to take ads out in all the papers. I don't think you do need to do that much of that anymore. I think with social media, with the word of mouth, with it being such a, you know, a great festival, I think people take chances. I think you, you don't spend all that money on trying to publicise your show as much as possible. Because a lot of it is those giant things around the city. They're really expensive. And people feel like they have to have them or that will sell their show. And I'm kind of like, I don't think it does. I, I don't know why, you know. I have never... Actually, no, I have once gone to see a show because I saw a poster, but it was only because I wanted to see that performer and I didn't know they were there. Mm. It was Glenn Wool and it was last year and I didn't realise he was doing a new show and, I, and I just, it just told me he was there. But I could not tell you another time that happened because I just, I, all the posters start to look the same to me now. I know that sounds really horrible and, I, and I'm not trying to downplay, you know, Adil or Steve Oliphant or any of those people who do amazing jobs on photography. But after a certain while, it's like, I will go and see your show if I like who you are and what you do, not because you spent two grand on a poster. Spend the money on it because you need to do something to make your show mm. look good. But ultimately, I think, like we were talking about before, and I think it's probably a good time to talk about it now, invest in the audience throughout the year, not 10 minutes before the show starts, mm. through, through social media if you can, but in any way you can, because the thing we were saying before, performers focusing on the show and not the business side. I mean, I don't know how much you want to re-repeat what you said before we started, no, but it was about you finding acts through social media yeah, or through I mean, recommendations. Yeah, completely. I mean, we were, there was just two we were talking about, for instance, obviously Jonathan Pye is one of them that's up this year, and Bella Young's Deliciously Stellar. One's from Facebook. I mean, obviously they're on other, you know, and yeah. uh, Bella Young's Deliciously Stellar's on Instagram, and they've got followers purely, you, you know, that's their, they've got an audience that wants to see them, and they've got that through those, those meetings, Really. And that's how I found them, and that's how I kind of booked them. I wasn't stood at the back of a comedy club, it was sent to me at my computer. And then automatically, they have got this huge, vast audience, and they can just go, I'm performing in, in August, book your tickets. And I found that the, when Dishy Sellers previews in London happened, they were sold out straight away. And people were just like, oh, you know, this is great, I love following it, it's really good, I can't wait to see it live. Same with Jonathan Pye. And as we were saying about like Twitter comedians, they have an audience because they have a following on Twitter. There is a weird thing. I'm not entirely sure. Most of the sales, we get like 50% on the day. So sort of like people come up and it's sort of... <laughs> I'm just listening in my head to hear <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of anxiety-ridden comedians going, well, I want them to buy it up front. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, are, there are those people that are sell out and yeah. then, you know, you get to that point. This year, you know, you, A. Castor was sold out. Once we started Susan Calman, these people, and they were just sold out. But then there are the people that just kind of wander in and they sort of look and they, they pick up a flyer and they sort of read it and you can do that. And I suppose maybe you've always always got that and the social media thing does mean that you get an audience early on. Does it make sense? <laughs> no, no, I, I get what you mean. It's it's a case of you as a venue cannot predict when and where people are going to buy tickets. So you just make them as accessible as possible on as many different mediums as possible yeah. and promote them in as many different ways as possible. And then, not hope for the best, but you, you make calculated risks on different performers depending on what you know about them. And that's the problem. Is everyone thinks we don't hire our spaces out. It's not, uh, you know, people don't pay to be at the Pleasant. It's that everything's done on a split. Everything's done on a 60-40 split. That's a risk we're taking with the act. We've got to come back next year and hope that we sell enough tickets so that the Pleasants can be back here next year. And that is a sort of a risk that we take with the act. And I kind of think when an act isn't doing well or if they're having a bad festival, we do so many things to support them in-house to make sure that, that they not have enough time. We do the press office to help them if they're not getting any reviewers in. You know, yesterday I had a press meeting and it was kind of like, okay, these six shows have not had any press in all festival from any 
any reviewer. Okay, well, let's try and get something in because that's quite strange that, that nobody's been in. So is it like, are they doing something wrong? Is their press release wrong? Let's have a look at it. Is their image, you know, their poster not right? That kind of thing. And then we'll always speak to them and we'll meet with them and go, right, have you tried doing this? Have you tried doing that? Have you got any street team? You work with them and kind of support them. And obviously the, the acts that are doing well are doing really well, but the ones that aren't doing well, we don't just kind of leave them out to dry. And just, you know, it's, it's, we support them as much as possible. And I think that's hard when you get kind of criticised that you're destroying the festival, you know. So I'm all, I always feel like, I, I always use the analogy that I feel like I'm on like the Death Star of comedy. People are always like, oh yeah, the, the other Pleasance is doing this, Pleasance. We've been here for 32 years and we, 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 we've not come along and just, you know, done this. We, we invest so much in Edinburgh, in the university, in acts. You know, the amount of returning acts that we get is, is a hope, a testament to the, the fact that they feel like they're being looked after, really. And... No. No, 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 I never really end sentences. I just yeah, kind of peter out. <laughs> I have a thing in that I keep quiet and let the guests talk. So, oh, right. so yeah. I just end up talking myself into a like cul-de-sac of. <laughs> I'll, I'll light you. Yeah, yeah. For five minutes. No, yeah, yeah. Um, there were two things that came out of that. First of all, I know a bit about your business stuff because I've been on your website and had a browse of that. Ah. And the sixty forty split. Yep. Do you have a minimum price that you will put a ticket up for? Because I assume that you've got like a cash flow thing that you have to make sure. We don't we we don't set our ticket prices. We let the act set the ticket prices. So if they want to set it at £2? Well, what we do is we look at all the ticket prices. So everyone puts their ticket prices in. We have, actually what we try and do is set lower things. So we say, right, the previews are going to be this much. Then we do, which other venues don't do. We do a cheaper Monday and Tuesday. Then we do a Wednesday and Thursday price. And then we do a weekend price. I think anyone who comes out at half ten at night on a Monday night to a fringe show should be rewarded we try and offer that and so we don't but then if one person is if they just wanted to do like six pounds we would say actually you can sell for a little bit more than that we wouldn't be like right you have to have this ticket price and you have to have this ticket price it's that have you got a scale of ticket price and to make sure that the bottom one isn't underselling yourself really but yeah no I mean if you look through the brochure you can you can see that even on the same page there's all kinds of acts, they sort of depend on how long they've been going, how much they do a budget and make sure that they can afford to be that price. We never make anyone be a certain price. If someone's too high, we tell them to come down. You know, we sort of say, right, that's it. You're, you, you're miles above everyone else. You've got to come down. And they, you know, we kind of enforce that really. And is that why you don't do free shows then? Uh, we do a few free shows as like showcase shows to put acts on so that they can be seen by certainly like um, smaller acts can go on a showcase and things like that so they can be seen by lots of people who would then go and see their show but I think if you then put a free show within a market where everyone's selling it's then not a fair playing field for everybody it's not fair for the other shows if you've got a free show if someone's giving away it would be a bucketed thing at the end though yeah completely but then that is the, but that's but if, if, if I said to you this show if, if there's a venue next to each other so if this door goes into one venue and this door goes into another venue I'll be like do this one's £8 to get in or this one's however much you want to pay you would go well to the... I'm not indicative of a regular comedy person no. I, I would look at I would look at what's behind the door before I pick which door and I think a it depends on what mood you're in as well because mm. if I'm if I'm uh, so at the moment as we were talking before we started I'm bored of watching like straight stand-up at the moment I just it's just not my flavor and because I don't really watch that much character stuff live I'm sort of very limited up here for what I'm going to get to see. So I'm watching these sketch stuff that I really like. I'm going to see the odd, like, sort of quirky 
thing, you know, that someone puts on like a puppetry show or a spoken word thing, and, and I'm enjoying myself, but I'm just having to make a bit more of an effort to find stuff. Mm. And, and, you know, if it's on the free fringe or it's on the paid, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I suppose if I've spent a certain amount on tickets, I might think I'm not going to pay any more to, towards tickets ahead of time. But then, like, you know, I went, uh, I saw a free fringe show the other day and I, I put a tenner in. So, and I, and I, and I don't think they, if I know them, so I don't think they would have put their ticket at ten pound hmm. because I know them. <laughs> I know, I know, and I know how insecure they are about stuff. But I just really enjoyed it. It was not any material I'd seen them do on the circuit. It was a whole new thing, and so I felt like I'd got a valued hour. Yeah. So I, I get. I suppose there is a. I'm talking about within the same venue, though. I mean, across the festival, you've obviously got that choice between going to a free show or a paid show. If I was doing my first hour and the person on at the same time with me in the same venue was free it's hard enough to sell a ticket but when it, you're up against a free show within the same walls you know it can be tricky last year we did uh, the we took had loads of free shows at midnight or the after the cowgate thing that happened that was fine but there were a few acts that were kind of like that were on an hour before that were just kind of going oh i'm finding it a bit hard because obviously there's a free show on afterwards and people are more susceptible to going to that because it's free do you think and obviously this is your external opinion and you don't know what's going on behind the scenes fully but do you think the move to doing the free pay what you want model for the gilded balloon then is something that will either carry on or do you think it's not necessarily a good move or do you think it just wouldn't be a good move for the pleasance if you were to do something like that? Um, I don't think we would financially be able to do it, I don't think. I mean, I don't know, without knowing the, 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 the things that we do, we can run budgets and we know sort of, you know, and it makes it sound very like, you know, like we'll, but, you know, we know how much that venue sort of costs to build. So we know how much we need to make on it. And if it was pay what you want, but then we would, would we take a percentage of that? I mean, how would we pay to build the venue? Because we didn't, we, if does the act get all the bucket or do we get a percentage of the bucket? That would be for you to decide, but well, I... But I mean, if, if, if the act took all the bucket, we wouldn't be able to build the venue because we wouldn't be able to staff it and we wouldn't be able to, because yeah, we yeah. wouldn't make any money on the bars. Because we don't. So it's that thing going, without the box office, we, we don't exist. So, and correct me if this is wrong, uh -huh. but would you say it's fair to summarise that as saying, the reason you don't do free shows and the reason you don't charge for rooms is because you as a charity, are, or maybe not as a charity, but you as an organisation, are willing to take the risk to cop the loss if a performer doesn't sell enough tickets to cover the cost of building the venue. Yes. I mean, it's, it's always one of those things where you kind of have, you've got to build it all. A lot of the, especially like the Count House and things like that, is kind of that they've got rooms and the, they're kind of pubs with lights and sound and that. And we have like theatres that do sort of cost a lot more. So I think, yeah, if we didn't, if we didn't, if we didn't, we, we wouldn't be able to pay for it because we didn't take any money. It, it just wouldn't function as a business. Yeah, no, uh, what I'm trying to establish is if someone listening to this had a preconception of splits and if they've never dealt with paid mm. fringe before i guess i'm trying to dispel any misconceptions and misunderstandings on the reasoning why first of all it's a whole different ball game than doing a free show mm. and second of all how you operate so say they wanted to apply to to which we'll get onto in a minute but say they wanted to apply to do a show with you they wouldn't look at it and go oh, that costs me loads, I won't do it. They would look at it and go, oh, they provide this, that, and the other, that's where the money goes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we do get that. I mean, a lot of people do see that that's where the money goes. I mean, people who sometimes criticise it are then the ones, I don't know, that just don't look into it any further. You know, we get a lot of people going, oh, well, you know, what are you doing with this, this, and this? And we just we show them where it goes. It's all there. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. not, we don't hide anything. And it's yeah. kind of all our venues. The, the university has upgraded some of the rooms, which was great because, you know, it's sort of that thing of going, they're investing the money that they make from the bars into the rooms so that they're just they're nicer the walls are you know all been painted and stuff like that what what that meant was that we then had to because the rooms had changed slightly we had to then go and buy more stuff because they've adapted the rooms different seating things and sort of drapes and things like that and so it's sort of great but then we have to spend more money on on buying things to make the venues nice i don't i don't think people do see that and the sort of the real the realization of how much it, it actually costs to put on this event certainly from the pleasance's point of view we don't scrimp on terms of lighting desks and stuff i'm not saying we go we're extravagant and then that's why we we, you know we can do that but you know we make sure that we have the best that we can have and that the shows run smoothly and that they're looked after and there's the right amount of staff in the venue and it all comes at a cost really if we move on slightly to the booking policy yeah and how you pick shows let's pretend i represent an average comedian that wants to a great comedian who wants to... <laughs> I just realised how much I've shot myself with the yeah. foot on that one. I'm leaving it both in there. I um, mean, call yourself average isn't a good... Yeah, <laughs> call yeah, a comedian yeah. average. Uh, let's say I represent a comedian who wanted to take part at the Pleasance next year. Yeah. Let's walk through what it's like at your end to getting an application. Because I feel like, as a performer, when you apply, you fill out a form, you send it off, and you, you just hope for the best. I think of it as, uh, you know, Back to the Future, where they say think fourth dimensionally. Like, you still you still have to plan like you're going to get a room. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to, like, look up trains, all that kind of stuff. And, and you, But you don't know yet. You still haven't heard back yeah. for a couple of months. The way it would work is I fill out that the, the form on your website. That comes through to you directly? Yep. Yep. And what do you do? Do you wait to batch them all together? Do you do them as they come through? What's the process at your end? Uh, different times of year, different processes. We opened, I think, November, December this year. Basically, when they come through, I always have a look at them. I always read the blurb because it comes through as a form on my computer. So I, first of all, I listen to the show title. I read the blurb and I kind of just sort of have a look at it and sort of, you know, do that as and when they come in. Sometimes if I'm busy, I make sure they're flagged and then I go back and do it just while I'm sat on my sofa or something and I kind of look at them. Once is, is this, sorry, I just want to say, is this putting aside comedians you've already worked with? Yes. Okay. So this is, this is, this, this is, is, a, is a brand new So person. this is, yeah, okay. Jimmy Funny Giggles has uh, applied. Glad you know my stage name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, let's let's a, carry on with that. Okay, so I'm Jimmy Funny Giggles. Yeah. So, and I've never done the Pleasants before, but I want to. So and go ahead. And filled out the form. I have a look at it. And I kind of just sort of go through it. And I make a kind of conscious decision then and there, whether it's something that sometimes, sometimes they're like mixed bill shows or they're things like that. And I'm like, I, we don't do those. We just do kind of like, I try and do a lot of hour long shows for people because I think that's important rather than just having lots of people sharing an hour. And then I kind of just read it, check the blurb. If there's image, if there's videos, I always watch the videos. It's always nice to have like, if you've got a draft poster, I know we're not saying they're important, but it's just that you get an a feel for... I, they're not not important. I just find they blend in after yeah, a while. Completely. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I think it's good when someone when someone applies and they send everything. You know, so when someone sends you a present and it's already assembled and it's kind of like you just go, oh, that's brilliant. And if someone sends you the same thing but it's like there's a bit missing or you've got to go and buy that or or that bit's not there but there's a bit that says it is, it just makes it really difficult and you still get it but it's just it's, you haven't enjoyed it as much. Ideally, if you could write a bullet point, I mean, it might be on your website. I didn't see it, but it, if you could write a bullet point list of everything you would want to be sent if they had it all mm. 
what would be on that list? The three things I definitely, it was a good, solid blurb with as much information about the show as possible. The 50 word one or the website one? Uh, as many, there's no okay. limit. So you can, uh, as okay. much as you like. The second thing is a video is great, even if it's just doing five minutes or even if it's, this is the kind of thing a trailer and again a poster or an image would be great as well and then the third thing is if you're doing previews if you're doing it soon and I can come and see it or I can see a version of it that's the easiest thing at all and I go straight away all right good I'll come and see that so if it's kind of that thing where I've read it and it's sort of oh that sounds quite interesting or that's this guy guy or girl or sketch groups sounds fine I'll kind of go oh they're doing a preview at the hen and chickens I'll go and see it you've done that around November December time or whenever they come in. Yeah. So, yeah. Your your cutoff point for applications is. Uh, well, actually, it's April. It's when the fringe deadline is. Okay. So, uh, there's one uh, act that uh, this year that applied right towards the end of the deadline, and someone had dropped out, and so they just kind of applied at the right time, and I just happened to see it, and it's they're having a great festival, selling out every day, and it's kind of that thing of they come to the festival last year they sent me an application and they just kind of went oh you know we know it's late but we're looking to come do you have any slots left here's everything and it was a it was a video of the show it was the poster of the show they'd, they'd just done it in uh, Melbourne and I was like great come along and and I was like that's fantastic I, th that's kind of it but it's it, what the tricky part is January and February when they all come in that's when you do them in batches so I'll get 20 applications 30 applications and I'll just make sure I go away and sit and kind of go through them and it's then you look at one and then you look at the one after it kind of like well that's sort of I can see a theme and a lot if, if you just try and see as much as possible is it best for a performer who has applied to presume they don't have a slot and carry on applying to other venues 100% absolutely 100% because I assume you don't get back I, I've never applied to the Pleasants but I assume you don't get back to everyone who doesn't get a spot I, we try to we have a lot of stuff that we put in place where it's like once I've got it then you get replies saying I've got it and then I go through and then they're all in this master spreadsheet and then I go through and kind of go and then I then go back and send them yes or no's what a lot of the time I do is I go back and go have you got a bit more information on this or you've put you wanted to play this size venue but I think you'd be better you know it's that thing of going why have you put that when this is a massive venue and you're a relatively new act and I'll go oh I'm you know or so-and-so that kind of thing and then as and when I sort of go through and go well actually or I go and see someone and they're not great or I've looked at it and gone it's not for me and then I do then kind of get back and hopefully say to people look I'm sorry as, as early as possible because then like you say you don't want to think that you've got a slot and we have hundreds of applications how many, I, how many did you get this year do you know off the top of my head uh, over 300 I think so you have 300 people applying for how many slots just like the small kind of slot and that's kind of new we don't have any record of them before so I think it's there yeah, three or four hundred and then obviously you get like loads more that don't come through the application process so they kind of like do you just sort of you get you know sort of like lists and, and you know and people that want to come and you speak to the agents and things like that and they go oh, I've got all these people that want to come from my books and so you kind of work through those and they come in sort of systematically the application process is a lot easier because you can go through each show and you can kind of get a picture of what it is they're like where you try and find like little gold nuggets the exciting shows and people that are kind of you, you want to show off really what would you say to a performer who has no representation so no like Asian or anything like that who I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Steve's the fact they would need that to be at the present. Oh, it's a fabrication of a, a, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing that I really try and make quite clear that actually sometimes it's you stand more of a chance if you don't. You know, if you're great and you don't have an agent, and what happens sometimes is you'll get a, sometimes get a slot and then suddenly you'll get an agent, or not an agent, but a promoter and that kind of thing. But I always try and find people that don't have representation or they're doing it on their own, or so I think it's important. And also we can help them through the process and, you know, take them through the steps of doing it so i don't want to say it's a disadvantage because that's probably not the right way of putting no. it but would you is that the same like if someone's working with a like a pr or a, or a producer that you don't want to work with or have worked with in the past and don't work well with would that i work on an act by act basis okay i don't work on promoters and i don't work on like agents and things like that i have ones that i get on a lot better with than others i still have a quite a fine thing of going that person yes that person it's not here's my 10 acts what venues can i have it's like well no that person i really like that person i need to see and that person I'm, I just don't think it's the right fit and, and also it's, it's I think you've always it's always got to be about the act as we were saying beforehand you can move around agencies you can move around promoters you know you they, they work differently for different acts but I kind of think there are some acts that I think are better suited to us that are more of a you know a pleasant style act or something or you know if there's such a thing <laughs> I was going to say from that description would you be able to pinpoint what you would think a pleasant style act would be I like a nice person <laughs> It like, just, like, a, like, a, like a person you can get on with, you mean? Not like a, just a general. No, but I mean, not even that I get on with. I mean, I don't really, I don't really get on with that many comedians. It's the <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, it's really, it's we really are, hard. We're agony, don't worry about it. But also, it's really hard because you can't have friends with comedians because you, they. You cannot give them slots, or you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a really tricky thing where it's like you know you. But it's quite oh. a fickle thing for them to be. I don't say dickish because, but you've implied that it would be a bit of a weird thing if you were friends with them and you didn't give them a slot. Mm. So I assume you think they'd be dickish, but I think it's very fickle for them to be dickish and not understand the pressure you're under. Yeah, I mean, I just get a lot of people that just want to be my friend because they want a slot. That is the fickle world that it is. I mean, I've been doing this for twelve. Well, I've been doing the festival for this is my eighteenth year, and it's my twelfth year of 
programming the Pleasance, and I'm well aware of the fickle nature of comedians and agents and promoters who all pretend to be my friend, but are not my friend. And they're just, you know, they're just, they, and, they, and I think that's great, but I don't, I just try and stay away from that. Again, I don't be like, hey, this, this all, you know, so be best mates and all of that. It's, it's easier to, to stand back and just actually make my decisions based without any emotional kind of attachment. Uh, I do, do you know Skint London in London? Yeah. They tweeted two nights ago about how, I think it was, they tweeted something like, it's not nice for PRs to ignore us when we need help and only come to us when they need help or something like that. Mm. And I sent them a tweet just saying, a problem in comedy in that, a lot of people just are your friend or just your friend when they need something. And we, me and them had like a DM, con- we, I'm sort of friendly with them. We were having a DM conversation for a, say about an hour, an hour and a half, two o'clock in the morning, just bitching about the fact that, you know, some people are just in for themselves and that's fine, I get it, right? But it's don't don't come running for a favor when you only need, I don't know, it's, it, it, people that just take, take, take drive me mad because you're like, I like to think we're all in this together. I don't think I'm gonna be friends with everyone because it can't be. I, that's why I really liked when I interviewed Louisa and one of the things she said was there is enough of the pie for everyone it's just a case of sometimes you get more sometimes you get less and it's like yeah if you're good that is not I obviously I'm not saying I think everyone in this can get a little bit of it at some point if they work hard yeah and I think and it is about working hard it's about caring about it and respecting it and again it's I'm I'm, I'm probably not the best but I mean I've always messed up when I talk about that all the big four crap oh you know the Pleasance is destroying the festival and all this kind of stuff and it, it upsets me so much because I know how much work my team go into doing it how much work the acts give off you know they, they come and they put themselves on the line we're all doing it for the good of the festival we're not doing it for our massive salaries we don't have them we're doing it because we love this festival I have, I absolutely love this festival more than anything and when you see acts grow those acts that were in 50 seaters five years ago and are now selling out all the time and, and having great festivals and getting the, the great comedians and it's it's such, a, it's such an honour that we, we helped them do that. Do you know what I mean? We sort of gave them the opportunity and the room to do that. I think as venues, we've worked with acts. As I say, I'm not friends with any of them, but I say hello to every single one of them and I'm, I'm like, how's it going? What's wrong? Is your venue all right? How's the crew? You know, it's not pandering. And that's going from anyone who's in a small venue, it's their first year, to someone who's come back for their sixth year. Do you make a point then of not being friends with comedians or is it just you don't get on with many of them? In that way. No, I mean in that way. I, I, well, it sounds like I'm having like a therapy session now. No, no, I'm genuinely asking because it's it's interesting. I've I've spoken to JD at the Sweets venue, mm. and he's very much the opposite of that. He likes to have a working but friendshipy relationship with a lot of the people that he's working with. I believe Karen has quite a good relationship friendship-wise with you know people like Beck and you know, but also doesn't isn't friends with everyone, but you know has yeah. friendships. I mean, with I do some. have some comedian friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, but, um, no, but the way you said it is like it's easier, and I can understand why it would be. But I'm wondering if it's a principal point or whether it's just the way it works out for you. It's, it's a bit of both. Like this year, there was some people, you know, and you just kind of go, I can't give you a slot this year. To put it into context, I have the 50 seaters for the newcomers, for, for fresh faces, new acts that I want to show off at the festival. They could have come from the Free Fringe. They could have come from their first time in Edinburgh. They could have come from the States. They could have come from anywhere in the world. And I believe that the smaller venues at the Pleasance are those laboratories, the laboratories the lab, lab, I sound like I'm saying laboratories, say. laboratories yeah. that the, the new exciting talent comes from. Sometimes get a few acts that go, oh, I want to come back. And I'm like, there's only so many venues at the Pleasance and you get a bottleneck. And it's either that thing of going, you, I can't put you in a bigger venue because you're not going to sell and you're going to have a horrible time. But at the same time, I need to try and show off 
as much. I want I want to, to to keep it going. It works on the basis that and the smaller venues, and then they come back and they grow and they grow and they grow. You know, you look at Acaster, and it's that sort of lovely side in the fifty seater, and now he's playing Pleasance One, I mean, sort of prime time slot in there. So Mark Watson in there, and 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 all these people that you know started in these smaller venues. So it's hard you know, when it's these people that you're friends with or something, and, and you kind of go, oh God, I'm sorry, you know, I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to have a room for you. I, I just feel bad. <laughs> No, no, I'd rather just be able to go, oh, you know, sorry. I get that, I get that. I mean, I, I'm friends with a few promoters and uh, sometimes they tell me no, sometimes they tell me yes. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I, I'm at the stage where I'm like, well, I get it. If I took everything, I guess it's partly on you because you don't want to feel bad about saying no to a friend, but it's also partly on them because they probably will be, you know, like you said, maybe a bit fickle about the fact they've been said no. Comedians are quite immature. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably why you don't want to be friends. Also, I'm not a great <laughs> friend. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a great friend. They, were, <laughs> they probably don't want to be friends <laughs> well I mean that might be the other thing I mean it might just be they, they just want to talk to you when they want a venue so. yeah it's like yeah, that's, you know it's always about you know, November December time but then you just try and be around all the time sort of seeing comedy and you're not having those kind of just meet ups at the festival you try and see stuff and how people are doing because every time you go and see someone new on the on a bill and they're doing you know the sort of 10 15 minutes then they're surrounded by people that are doing the festival for a few years and so you kind of see how they're progressing as well, which is really good. I read a quote from you at a Chortle conference a couple of years ago, oh. or last year, sorry, where you said Edinburgh works here. So Edinburgh works because there is an audience that wants to see shows. You just have to get them into yours. And I was wondering if you had any hints, tips or tricks for convincing people to get into paid shows. Again, it's that when, at what point are we selling to them? Very early on, you can either do a great online presence and have a lovely trailer, have a great Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, that level of marketing. Or you could just sell it to someone sat in the courtyard, flyer someone and just say, like, this is my show, this is what it's about. The flyering teams, are, uh, there's, a, there's some, they're really important. Does the Pleasance provide flyers? No, as I said, the, they have their own sort of flyering teams, each show. We have a street team that does it for, like, the Pleasance, mm. make sure that, that just all the information's out there for all the shows. But yeah, no, once they're in the uh, dome in the courtyard, they're fair game to anybody <laughs> you know and it's, I think that's really nice and also anyone else's another misconception is that no, anyone can come and fly in the courtyard we don't you know this, this is, everyone's always like oh you know you don't allow people from other venues more than welcome just don't fly a queue that's the only rule that we have because those people can't get away if they <laughs> well no but I mean could you fly a show that isn't at the same time as that show they're queuing for no just like while people are stood in a queue oh uh, okay fine yeah so, yeah does there anything? Cause no, because like... I, I, I saw... Well, then Mark Burrows and Andrew O'Neill are friends, so I suppose that there was a little bit of a yeah, yeah. loophole there. But I remember I was going to see Andrew O'Neill a couple of years ago and uh, Mark Burrows, his fellow bandmate and friend, mm. was flyering his show on it. So I suppose... You can exit flyer. I, uh, I think it was entrance flying, but right. I, ca I can't remember fully. That misconception does exist, and I think in the other paid the other three paid venues... I'm going to keep... <laughs> I love how many different... I was trying so hard to find a different way of doing it. I'm going to have like a million synonyms for it by the end of this. I, I believe they don't don't let anyone fly in their areas. Do you know what, it's half the, half the problem with us is it's by association. We all do things very differently, but we all decide to put ourselves in the same brochure. So I guess we can't really complain about it. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just frustrating. Yeah. It's that thing again, we, uh, we do things very differently. And, you know, I'm not saying they're wrong or anything, but no, it's, but just, it's, it's better it's, that everyone does something slightly different. Yeah, I think each venue's got to have its own voice. Yeah, do things the way it wants to do things. I mean, having a personality means that you actually turn off and turn on different comedians that might want to or might not want to be part of that ethos. Mm. As much as I'm not a fan of PBH, for example, 
I know that a lot of people are for the reasons that I'm not a fan. Yeah. But the fact that he's got a very distinctive voice, well, he, the organisation's got a very distinctive voice, it makes some people very attracted to going with that organisation. Then I don't understand this whole battle between paid and, uh, and free. I mean, I understand it, but it's like, we, I love the free fringe. I think it's the, the best things to happen. You know, the pay, pay what you want, free, us, the international festival, the tattoo. It's, it's all, it all needs each other. And it's got to this lovely stage now where I think everyone, again, back to the pie analogy, is that thing going, I think there's, everyone can so do the, it. the Jonathan pie, I just realised that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The, 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 <laughs> some people might think that's some sort of code. Yeah. Uh, no, but the, the, the piece of the pie. But with Edinburgh, I think we need each other. I think now there's that lovely balance where we can have those venues where people can go and see a free show or pay what you want show and they can just turn up and see it and sometimes where people are going right I want to book a ticket I think it's great it's really nice it's a nice thing but you can't have one without the other in the same way that I find that everyone's like well you should be doing it this way now. You should be pay what you want. You should be free. And it's like, okay, is the pleasance going to change that? And it's like, well, we're 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 busier than ever at the moment. So actually, the the acts are doing well. No one's really, you know, everyone's sort of selling tickets. But it's not about tickets. It's it's the whole fringe, and it's about the fringe being a great place, and you can walk in, you can go and see a show on a bus, or you can go and see a show in a sports hall or you can go and see a show wherever and I think that's the nice thing about it I think it's nice that you can chuck money in a bucket or you can book a ticket or you can do whatever you like do you I mean as much as I agree with the sentiment that it's great that loads of places can become venues do you think that certain places should not be venues with every great free French story there's, oh, there's, there's in general but yeah. oh yeah there's not a great one and with every Pleasance one there's always a good and a bad for everything just turning every space into a venue it's just if it's done well then yeah it'd be absolutely fine you know, as Bob's proven you can do it on a bus you know and turn it into a lovely space you know but some places are literally just sort of you know just going there's a room there's a few chairs in it to a show but then great shows can come from that when people apply for a show mm. what are the most common mistakes that people do that either put you off or just cause you to maybe not want to work with them for whatever reason just silly little things that always there's things that knock out quite a few people we don't do split shows so we just sort of do an hour just because space is so limited and i kind of want to give as many people the opportunity to do their debut hour as possible so lack of research yeah and uh, also just like not doing the full run or just doing like oh i just want to do two days and then because then i've got them fine i mean it's not saying i don't do it but someone would just go yeah i just want to do like the second third week and I'll be like, okay, but that means I only need to find a show to fit in the first week for one week and then the last show, and it doesn't make life easy. So you favour full runs? Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. It's like a job application, but it's that thing, when someone's made no effort whatsoever, you kind of just go, I'm, I'm not going to look at that. And then this is another thing. Some people are not pushy enough and it's that thing of going actually sometimes it's quite good just you know my email's on there just email me if you've not heard anything or you're doing a preview it happens all the time if you're doing a preview and just that thing just email and go are you going to come see this oh I've just added this show by the way if you can come along and I can actually then come and see it or record it and then send it to me quite a few shows this year I just couldn't get around everything so they just sent me a full recording of the show and I go and watch them properly I sort of sit and put them at home and watch them and take the time to look at them I think if someone's taking the time to record the show I think you've got to take the time to watch it properly what in your opinion are the most underused features or facilities that the Pleasance offer acts they just don't use or they just maybe don't know about enough acts that are with us yeah um, I think we ram information down the throats of our acts so much I don't think they're, they're well aware the weird thing is it's that our on our website there's so much ability to put 
your reviews on your page, to put videos on your page, to put pictures on your page, to kind of make your page look like a shop front window. And a lot of people just don't bother putting their reviews on. We have press boards in the courtyard. We paste all the uh, information on. But um, what people don't realize is that that only gets seen by a few people where that all the information can be within their show page and they can edit it themselves and they're given full remit to do whatever they like really, which is really nice. I, I was on there the other day and I sort of happened to stumble across a page. It was sort of a slightly pixelated image. I was like, this is, you need to sort this out. And they were straight away were like, oh, we didn't think because we just assumed that the fringe was, you know, the fringe page looked okay and all this kind of stuff. So it was sorted in the end. What do you think are the most incorrect preconceptions of you and your job and the pleasance that you hear about? One that you, unless you've got an agent or a promoter, you won't get a slot, which is absolutely not true. I don't know, really. That's the only one where I always get, you won't even consider us if we're in the, and it's like, well, you will get considered. I think that's it. Well, do you know any? Not really. <laughs> aside from the preconceptions that I get sort of thrown at me for this thing is how they're a charity if they cost so much to go with why they're so expensive why does it co- it's that cost to go with us that i just kind of it's it is the it, i think i think uh, i'd have to go back through my messages because yeah, yeah. i get dms from people and I, I tend to like i keep them all anonymous on my things so yeah, I, I can't yeah. remember who they are but i think most of them had done mainly free friend shows and i think last year was my most expensive free friend show and it cost me 2300 pound and that was including accommodation travel renting of the room merchandise flyers and you know that kind of stuff and yeah that that was just basically the bare cost of the show mm-hmm. i didn't keep track of my food costs i couldn't really and i suppose if i were to consider going with you karen whoever right i imagine it costing double that maybe triple that depending on which one i'm going with what time slot i get what size of room i get the main difference between you and but your cost of your flyers would be the same and your cost of your accommodation would be the same yeah but it's it's uh so last year i got i got lucky because i it cost me 300 pound for a room with just a tonic but it was because i was a free of all i don't like this but refugee mm. as it were before that I think it costs about 90 quid or 160 quid for Laughing Horse to have a room for the month, which is pretty low. Um, I suppose it's not as low as you guys, which is no cost for the room. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the only cost that would vary is the cost of the room and any additional stuff I do. I think a lot of acts, and I might be wrong, and I don't want to speak for other acts that I... uh, Let's put it this way. If I run it through in my head, so I'm not representing anyone else other than me right now, I think if I was going to go with someone in the... Uh, quartet <laughs> of <laughs> I, will, I will keep this going the quartet of non-free venues I would probably think I need to put a PR in place which would add to my costs which I wouldn't do if I was on the free I don't, I don't know just, just add things in that I wouldn't do for a free friend show because a free friend show but then free friend shows have got PRs now some of them do yeah, yeah. but I think I don't know it, it just it would feel like there's an additional pressure to perform in, in a way that there isn't on the free fringe unless you put it on yourself but then but then that's again is uh, that's that's lowering the free fringe a little bit, isn't it? I mean, you should... No, because I, uh, so when I do a free show, which I've done for the last three years, I feel pressured into making the show good and getting people in. Mm. And my anxiety until the minute the show starts is off the chart because I don't think people are going to come. You know, you fly people, people are fickle. They might have got fly by someone else or they're just too far away and they can't get back, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not playing down the free fringe in any way because it's, it's my, my, my bread and butter in this respect and I also love it. And it's also, I feel, uh, a lot of comedians I talk to, they feel it's an honest day's work, wage as such because they have to kind of do it all themselves. So I guess it's not me putting down the free fringe, it's just me 
playing up the, the preconception of what an audience member would be thinking of when they are booking something in advance rather than just turning up to a free show. And I think in order to do that, so I'll give you an example. On the back end of the tour I just came off of, people were starting to come from Twitter, from some radio interviews I'd done, and uh, YouTube. People had found me from those because I SEO'd them a bit better, I'd had better tags and all that kind of stuff. As much as that's great, I think if I'm at this venue, for me, if I was going to pay a ticket and take a punt on someone new, I'd Google them first. And so I'd want there to be reviews, even if I don't read them, which I wouldn't because I don't really read reviews. I'd want there to be, I'd want there to be more than their website as a hit, essentially. And in order to have that, or more likely to have that, I would get a PR in. I would make more of an effort to have that online presence that I don't control, like articles here and there, like I've seen comedians writing stuff for different newspapers and things, and I think there's a con uh, preconception in the mind of a person who plans their trip as their holiday to book a show than someone who plans a week and just takes a punt. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. yeah. No, 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 do you it's think it, that's fair, or do you...? I, I just, it's just, it's always that thing where people are like, oh, you know, if you're going to the Pleasance and you're going to need this and you're going to need this and you're going to need this, and it's like, you, you can do it with that and you can do it without that. And I get that. It's when I get told that we make people do it. It's that kind of thing of going, oh, we make people take ads out in this and we do this oh, and everything. Yeah. And I think it was, it was in Bob's one or something. It was like, you know, it was, you have to do this. Actually, we don't make people do anything. Where actually, what we've done is, when you do come to us, we hopefully have created this environment and this venue that people just come to they, they, they enjoy being around because it's happy and enjoyable and then hopefully they go and see shows because the show's all great yeah the curation of it mm. kind of which is me yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I no. mean you're biased but it's yeah. <laughs> uh, no I, I yeah I get what you're saying I mean unless you told me up front I wouldn't presume you would make me you know get certain people on board or try to have a producer or whatever it would be because in a way I would think you wouldn't want that because you've booked the show based on merit anyway mm. so as a result if there is flagging I would assume that there would be a safety net in place that you guys would go oh right let's contact the reviewers we know I suppose it's a lack of experience from my part because I've never really done a paid show at the fringe anyway I, I did some on, on tours maybe there's an element of insecurity this is turning to a therapist for me but <laughs> but maybe there's an element of insecurity and in that I don't want to let you down because there's an extra person involved rather than it just being me putting on the show and mm. you know or or not having a bad reputation or not being seen as professional. It's just interesting. It's, you kind of, as a venue, because we were kind of, we were like, what do people think of us? Kind as of an like, organisation? Yeah, as an organisation. And we spoke to Axe, and we spoke to people of Edinburgh. We spoke to customers who have been with us. We took a, a, a section of loads of people, and we was like, how do you see us in the, the, the landscape of Edinburgh? Sometimes that people still see it that un, unapproachable. And maybe it is because of all the, the courtyard sometimes can be that, you know, there's so many queues and signs and that. It's, it's trying to break break down those walls and say to people it's me and it's like Anthony and there's, there's a few of us and we'll, we'll speak to anyone anyone can turn up at like Pleasant London or ring us and everything and we'll sit and have a coffee with anyone and hopefully now it's getting to a point now where I speak to Axe directly and I kind of dispel a lot of the myths that they think and also say look we're not charging you for that there was an act that came to me and kind of went I don't really understand I was like I, I, you know, I sold all these tickets and I, I didn't make any money and I was like what how did you not make any money I then showed them what went to their promoter so I said this is what we as a venue gave to them they were just like oh that's 
but then there was all this cost and there was this cost and there was this cost this 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 I don't know what the outcome was and how much of it had been agreed or not agreed or anything and that's not my business what they do but what was interesting was that they assumed it was us that was the reason why they hadn't made any money and I turned around and went that's how much money that was given and that's how much money and also I showed them an act that sold the same amount of tickets as them in a venue and I also showed them that they could have done these costs because I would just, you know, just happened to be promoting it. So I was like, I took this act and this is how much money they took home. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of that thing of going, actually, there was all these sort of costs that had been thrown in. And they were like, well, you know, you, you took... And I was like, I haven't taken anything. This is how much it is. And, and, and have a look at it. And I think once you get a chance to explain to people, they kind of go, all these extras that I got, which maybe like you need or don't need. But I don't think you do. I mean, if you've got a great show, you've got a great show. Fair enough, yeah. These are the quick fire last questions. Okay. Um, quick fire for me, you take as long as you like to answer them. What is the best show you've ever seen? And I should point out, it is deliberately left open and ambiguous. My first Edinburgh in 1999, I worked at the Pleasance as a crew member. In that venue, I had Simon Munnery's League Against Tedium, I had Dave Gorman, and I had uh, the Mighty Boosh with Arctic Boosh. As I was a 19-year-old, that just... I still to this day was like I watched the Boo show every single day supposed to be rotated so that one person was in the venue one person was out of the venue I was always in the venue and even when days when I was not rotated on I would just sit in and watch it every day and I think to this day I was just sort of yeah I think that's got to be it also <laughs> I don't know there's loads because during Edinburgh you get so many good shows there's ones that will always sort of stick with you oh Greg Davis firing cheese balls at a dog oh yeah that's good shit yeah when that was in upstairs, Pleasance upstairs, it was just an amazing room and it just, the energy, like, it was just incredible. And it's kind of, then when I saw it go on tour and that kind of thing, but that, when that, that was just exceptional. And there was, <laughs> I could just keep going, going, going. Um, bring me the head of Adam Riches as well. That was one of my favourite shows. What else? <laughs> I could keep I'll going. Just gonna <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I asked the question. What is the biggest mistake you've ever made and how did you overcome it? Ooh. It's a bit of a change in tone from the last one. Yeah. <laughs> God, personally, I know. <laughs> I keep it open so it can be personal, professional, whatever. Yeah. Pass. That's a, okay. I, I've made so many mistakes, but I think you've got to learn from them. That's yeah. the thing. There was a, it was a point which I, 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 just, I, was, I was a bit arrogant. I don't know why, I was young and I was just kind of was like, oh, this is great. And it's sort of, you know, and I just kind of, and, and I don't know, someone just, I just, I, I think that's, and I just realised that this is, you know, this is, it's important, but it's not, you know, we're, we're not making parachutes. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's jokes and it's about having fun and, and enjoying it and, and, and making sure that, yeah, just, it's not, yeah. I was an arsehole for a very, for a brief, for a brief, I apologize. If anyone that knows who listens to this will know the year that I was, uh, yeah. I uh, I chatted to a comedian the other day who was who was trying to make he was trying to make another joke about time machines and killing Hitler, yeah. and he he said he just I was just sitting there because I wasn't finding it funny, and he said what would you do if you had a time machine? And I said I go back to 1999 and apologise to everyone I knew. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I would I would because I'd be like I was a fucking arsehole. Yeah. I hate who I was when I was like 16, 15. You know what I mean? Like I was I was the I hate that person, and I hate that sometimes you ever have this moment where. You so you do something that you're comfortable with now, but the little voice in you makes you feel uncomfortable with how comfortable you are with it mm. because your 16-year-old self wouldn't be comfortable <laughs> with it. 
and you just go, shut up, he's a wanker, don't jump into my life again. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I have that all the time. I wouldn't go back and change it because I learned so much yeah, from it. Yeah, yeah, totally. That I just, I actually realised it just changed. It was like one of those wake up calls to going, yeah. this is, you know, and just enjoy this thing, you know. I mean, I, I, honest to God, think I have the best job in the world. I mean, I love my job so much. I wake up every morning. It's that thing again. I wake up in the morning and I love going to work. Although there's all the bureaucracy and there's all that kind of stuff, I get to go and see comedy, you know. I get to go and, and find shows and put them in front of hundreds of thousands of people and then see those shows grow and see what happens to them and see what, how people develop and that kind of thing. And when you've done it for years and years and years, you just kind of like, it's all, it all kind of, you know, overlaps and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's great. And then every year, it's, it, every festival is different. No, no Pleasant's programme is the same. You know, you want to see how well it does every year. And, you know, and I get to promote, to produce some shows myself, which is great. And it's kind of, you know, just, yeah, so I think, yeah, I wouldn't go back and change anything, I don't think. No, I asked how you overcame it, not... Oh, how I overcame yeah. it? I think someone just told me to stop being an arsehole. <laughs> just went, yeah. Fair enough. Who is the most underrated person in the industry? Technicians. I, I so you used to be a techie, mm. and I kind of sat there, and I still obviously run comedy shows every day. They work so hard, and without them, if you know, if the lights don't come up and the mic doesn't work and the sound cues, and it's—I mean, obviously, if you're just telling jokes, it's about the jokes. But they can, they can, they can make a show so much better, and they can be there. They're the person that's there at your end of your show when it went so badly that a you might not want to see them, or b you know, if you've got on with them, you can talk to them about it, and they can go, yeah, but yesterday was great. Yeah, they get so much shit all the time, and it's like they work very hard, and some of them are doing like five or six shows every day with like tens of thousands of cues and I just kind of think that you know, they're, they're, they are undervalued I mean without my tech team at the Pleasance they run the, the venues and the sites and that I mean I just come around causing horrible problems all the time I'm just like <laughs> what do you think is the biggest pro I normally ask what's the biggest problem in the comedy industry but I'm going to change it to what is the biggest problem at the Edinburgh Fringe and how would you go about solving it the fighting between everybody what we have to do is we've all got to remember that we're all bickering and fighting and ripping strips off each other and, you know, sort of going, oh, you're, you're doing it wrong and you're doing it wrong and all this kind of thing. And there's all these articles. What we need to do as a collective is to sell the festival to the world. It's that thing of going, it's once they're here, they're here. And then it's up to the, the person to go and see whatever show they want to go and see. And I think that's the fairest thing to do. But what we've got to do is we've all got to shout about how brilliant the festival is to get people here. And I think there's so much kind of interfighting with people and so much like, oh, you shouldn't go to that venue or you should go to that venue or you shouldn't do that. And, you know, everyone's here and everyone's doing it and everyone's given their energy to come to the festival. I think as a, as a collective, we've got to shout out. I speak to people in London and they just, and I go, how's it going? And they go, during August, and they go, and I went, oh, the, what, what you heard about the festival? And they're like, not much. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what do you mean? And it's kind of... I think we as we all need to kind of make people come, and when they come, they they can go wherever they you know they're just here. But I think we we've all got to make an effort to kind of get people from around the world, you know, to come and see what great stuff we have, and just yeah, that's it. I think I just think we just just we can have little fights here, but just. <laughs> it's, yeah.
Don't make them too public either. Yeah, exactly. Just, it's just this whole thing. It's all, all this negativity. It's just so. It's no need for it whatsoever. Mm. I think if we just send out this message that this is the best arts festival in the world, mm. it is the biggest and the best arts festival in the world. But you, you want to tell the world that it is. You know, you don't want people going. Oh, you know, I hear that this venue is not very good, or this. You know, I don't know. It's really hard. Yeah. But I just think we all need to kind of, you know. Be in this together. Yeah, be in it together. Yeah. We all have a great month of August. <laughs> this is a split question. It's the last one. What is the best bit of advice you've ever been given? And if you could give a couple of thousand comedians one bit of advice before their first Edinburgh Fringe, either with the Pleasance or without, oh, yeah. what would you say? Best bit of advice I was ever given. Stop being a ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that going to be the same for the bit of advice you give a comedian? Don't be a melons. Don't. That's don't, a great bit of advice to be fair. For don't. Me. It's that thing of going, but just ask. And I say this as, as, as whether it's your first time or ever. If you think you know something about a venue, and whatever venue you're at, if you, you know, it's the same with free fringe venues and all that politics that goes on and the same of us and the, and the stand and everywhere else just do your research just find out how much of these myths that you hear about in performers bars are actually true because a lot of it isn't a lot of young comedians I hear and I kind of speak to them and they go oh well I got told by so and so that you you know I have to give you my first born as like part of the deal and I'm like it's not well kind of, no. <laughs> I just realised I missed that question out. Is it the firstborn? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's that thing of going, just, just do your research mm. and find out some of the times what you believe you hear and what you, uh, are not true. And it's a lot of propaganda, both ways, always. I'm not saying, you know, and so. I, I think, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think mm. it's assumptions. Yeah. I think it's easier, and this is the case in life and a lot of people, it's easier to assume something than actually ask for the answer because you think the answer is going to hurt. So you just sort of go with the basic whisper that you get heard and then you extrapolate from there. Mm. You, and the thing I've learned from my mental health is my mind knows all my secrets. And as a result, it can tell me the worst, the worst scenario and it's way worse than anything you could say to me. So as a result, I now ask, this is why I do this. It's like, mm. I'd rather not have an assumption. I'd rather not let my brain tell me, oh, you need to give up your firstborn or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I'd rather just say to someone, hey, how does this really operate? Than, than assume that all my friends or whoever they are is right about you because you're going to be more right about you than they are even if they've spoken to you. Mm. And that's the thing, like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, God, I'm not naturally good at talk. You know, it's that thing that's hard to get across sometimes. This is going to be a hard edit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me just rambling on. When I'm not got a microphone, it's, you know, it's that thing actually come and just, just email me. It's just, you know, and, and any comedian email me, any promoter, any young... Per, young, old, whatever, just ask us. Do you want to give them your email? Yeah, just ryan at pleasance.co.uk. Just can't get that wrong, come on. No, <laughs> and it's that thing, okay, you've got any, if there's anyone just goes, well, I've this and that and the other, just, it just honestly, email us and, and just, and ask us, I think is, is the best thing to do. Well, thank you very much for coming on. No, thank you. Cheers. <laughs> did we talk about my, uh, the size of my penis or is it? Well, would you like to clarify? <laughs> Would you like to clarify and just dispel any rumours? How big is your penis? I can't. I can't. <laughs> Bob's listened all this way. So you're a bit, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Bob's going to be gutted that he didn't have as many mentions as Bob, he thought. I know. Right? So still ma massive. We're going. We're going. <laughs> 
that was Ryan. I really enjoyed hearing his perspective on the fringe and being a promoter. I can totally relate sometimes to people being my friend when they just want something and why that might make him a bit guarded as a result. And a big part of this podcast and project is trying to break down the misconceptions and misinformation that's out there. So I love that his thing is also just ask. And I totally agree. As he said, his email is ryan at pleasance.co.uk. If you've got any questions of him, email. Mine's on my website. And just ask people questions. It's better than assuming always. Believe me on that one. Also, as you heard, the Pleasance is worried about being lumped in with the big four and also not being seen as approachable. I can tell you now, the venue staff were lovely. They left their office space for a couple of hours during the busiest time of the year for them, i.e. at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2016, and gave us a quiet space to record this interview. I can't thank them enough for their support and hard work in working around me, which was lovely. They were just wonderfully supportive. Also, for the record, I had a back and forth thing over the few months leading up to this episode with Ryan to try and get him on because he hates hearing his own voice and he doesn't like talking about his own job. So please do thank him if you got any value or just any information that you couldn't get anywhere else from this podcast. Either tweet him or the Pleasance and say something nice because I know how anxious he was about coming on. I tried to do my best to relax him about that and I thought he did a great job. I felt like he answered everything professionally and really, really helped dispel a lot of things that I'd been thinking about to do with the Pleasance, but also a lot of questions that you guys have submitted. So if you've got any value out of this, please take a minute and just say thank you. Please, please, please do send him a tweet because it's just a nice thing to do. As he said, and as I'm constantly saying, I firmly believe we're all in this together and it is just nice to give back sometimes. If you enjoyed this one and you haven't yet heard it, please do go back and listen to Bob Slayer's episode, which was number 12. It adds a little bit of context for the talk about Ryan's penis in this episode. I would highly recommend giving that a whirl next, and if not, there's a few other Edinburgh Fringe promoters, including Alex Petty from Laughing Horse and Karen Corrin from The Gilded Balloon. Just just scroll back through the previous timeline or go to my website and you'll see a list of them categorised by the, the fact that they're all people who run venues at the Edinburgh Fringe. As always, if you're new here, please do subscribe. If you're old here, please do leave us a review on iTunes. They are so important to help the show. And either way, please do consider giving the show a donation to keep it going, either as a one-off via PayPal or as an ongoing payment on Patreon. And finally, don't forget, I'm at the Brighton Fringe on the 11th, 18th and 25th of May at 7.30pm and on the 26th at 6.15pm at the Carolina Brunswick. I'm also at the Derby Fringe at the Guildhall Club Rooms on the 13th of May 2017 at 7pm. If you want to support me in any way, please do come down. All of your support is massively appreciated. But for now, thanks for listening, thanks for donating, and thanks for coming to watch my new show if you do. I'll see you all in about 15 days' time. Bye! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 